Today on Lockdown Red Wings, Detroit loses a physical battle against the Oilers, but the team's future played really well. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for the Daily JAWWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty is the host over at Lockdown Tigers as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash Lockdown to get started today. Now, Scotty, the Red Wings lost 5-2 to two in the first game back since the all-star break and you know the score i think is a little bit of a unfair metric to look at and how this game was played not that i mean they lost five to two and that is just that is reality and i'm not trying to warp reality but an empty net goal they allowed one power play goal i thought at even strength the red wings played with the edmonton oilers very hard and very physically throughout all 60 minutes of that game and while it didn't go their way, I'm honestly not very upset with how they lost this hockey game. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you, man. I, I I don't I don't think that this was the Wings getting significantly outplayed. I thought, I mean, we outshot them. Like I I, I think that this was a a pretty close game. It's just we we've seen at times this season that close games with the Red Wings can still lead to pretty sizable losses just because of well at the end of the day I guess it's the difference in offensively for us the the inability to really be able to consistently or even semi-consistently or really even at all put up really high goal totals and then defensively we talk about it all the time the inability to to prevent high danger even if they're stopping volume so like this was a a I, I agree with you. This is a pretty, I don't know how close I want. I don't know if I want to use that word, but it was a hard fought game. And I don't think they looked super outmatched or outplayed necessarily. Mm-hmm. It just, at the end of the day, you're going up against a, a really prolific offense that can score goals, even when they're not taking 30, 40 shots a game. Yeah. I, it's one of those games where you look at the score and it's, it was a frustrating game. Don't get me wrong. I'm very frustrated right now, but I'm frustrated not because they played poor, but because I thought they should have won that game. I thought that they, I I honestly think they were the better team in this game. There was, it was a chippy game. Let's start talking about first. We have this ability to kind of just flow of consciousness, but let's try and start with the positives in this game. We, we, there haven't been a lot of positives of late with this hockey team, but there ha- were positives in this game. And Lars, let's start with that. Like you said, they outshot the Edmonton Oilers 32-27. Uh, to 27. They won the majority of the faceoffs, which was just by one, 27-26. But that was something that we've complained about all season long. Uh, Physicality-wise, you know, the total uh, hits, it was 16-20 to 20 in favor of Edmonton. But it wasn't just the shots, man. Uh, Corsi percentage, they had the edge in every single period and game-wise. Expected goals for percentage, they had the edge in. And scoring chance percentage, they had the edge in. The only one that didn't have the edge in was high danger Corsi for. I mean, Red Wings offensively, 
outplayed at even strength the Edmonton Oilers that have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on their team. In fact, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl didn't have goals in this contest. That yeah. is, I that mean, is it's like it's, really it's kind of a, so like a funny, I don't know. It's it, it's weird to say like, oh, you know, we're gonna take a huge victory lap in a in a three goal loss when like two players on their team didn't have goals. But like, it is worth pointing out. It is worth I, I think. Those- I don't know if celebrating is the right word, but like it's worth taking kind of a, a minor victory lap on just because that was that that's such a a difficult thing to do that most teams aren't able to do, especially both of them in the same night at this point. So um, definitely. Uh, and again, we talked about it earlier already, like th- this Oilers team didn't have a ton of shots and like you outshot them and they, they didn't even hit 30 shots, did they? Like this, this was a, a, the system I think was executed well, like systemically, like this was a, a well-executed game plan. It's just at, at the end of the day, you are still giving up uh, a lot of goals, despite how many chances you're giving, how many chances few or a lot your opponent is having on a night to night basis. And that's not a new issue. So no, it absolutely isn't. And again, it wasn't a perfect game and we'll talk, we'll have plenty of time to talk about the negatives and what cost them this hockey game. But I think another thing to keep focus on is I think defensively, this was a much better game as well. Now, you take that with a grain of salt as well because they allowed five goals. Now, granted, one was an empty net goal and one was a power play goal. So at even strength, they allowed three, which isn't great still. But if you look at the amount of shots they had and where those shots came from, I thought they did a good job of keeping the high danger shots out of the crease in high volumes. That was something we've talked about on end with this hockey team is that high danger shots come in high volume inside the slot. And for once you're looking at a hockey team where they did definitely have a bubble out front of your own net for once. It wasn't dark blue the entire time. (laughs) Right Now they did score two goals in those high danger areas. It wasn't perfect. It was an improved game incrementally, but it was an improved game defensively. I mean, you could just as easily say this was a negative, because they allowed two goals in high danger areas, but the overall shot attempts and the quality of those shot attempts was fewer in this game. So trying to look at the positives, that is one way you could look at it. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I I totally agree. It was uh, not the usual way that they're giving up goals. It's just, you know, at the end of the day, they're still giving up uh, quite a lot of goals. And again, like we talked about it going into the game, like this was a, this is, one of the best offenses in the league and the best power play in the league. And they gave up a, a power play goal. And one of those, like you said, is an empty netter. And so it, it definitely is worth noting that uh, again, I'll, I'll say it again. I thought the game plan, whatever they drew up as the game plan for this game, I think worked. Like I think that this was a, a successful execution of whatever their game plan was going into it it's just sometimes you can like, this is the NHL. Sometimes you can execute your game plan really well and still lose. Now, my next question for you has, is going to be one, another one, just like the defense where you could say the positives of it and also look at the negatives. Did you think that the penalty kill performed in this game? Like context, considering who you're playing, like what they went one for four on the penalty kill or three for four on the penalty kill. Technically they only allowed one power play goal against. Yeah, I, I mean, 
I guess. Again, like I, I feel like we're really, we're really uh, grasping at straws, right? Like trying to find, trying to spin anything positively. Like I, I, I guess, I, I guess. Look, like if you want to put it this way, the the Oilers' power play is just below thirty three percent on the year, and in this game, they were twenty five percent successful. So I guess you held them below their season average. Mark, which I, I guess is is something, but like you still gave up a power play goal, and and even if you didn't, like you're still probably losing by by a, yeah. a pair of goals tonight. So I, and I'm sure we will approach that from the opposite side when we talk about the negatives in this hockey right, game. For sure, for sure. Um, I'm not trying to make it. I'm not trying to be like the the, the pessimist here. Like I, no. I I understand that that again. I I think there was some good execution in this game. It's just. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I tired think, of, I'm tired of, the, of playing the let's spin three goal losses positive game. That's all. We're, we're a master class at the spin game. We, we really are. Actually, normally we're like, this team sucks. But again, <laughs> like I, I'm finding it really hard to be. And, you know, I go through phases where, you know, against the Flyers, for example, where I thought they outplayed them. And granted, the Flyers are a much worse team and they should have beaten them. But you're playing a better Edmonton Oilers team that have two of the best players on the planet and you kept them to zero points. And we were expecting, granted, Mind you, Scotty, we were correct. We took Oilers minus one and a half. They won by three. We took Oilers money line. They won outright. And then we took over six and a half. There were seven goals scored in this hockey game. So we were right in every single one of our predictions. So we like every, all of that in mind, the Red Wings at even strength again, I thought outplayed them. And I'll talk, we'll talk about in segment two, individual players I thought played really well. And then we'll get into talking about the negatives, which I'm sure we'll talk about the opposite side of the defense because it still wasn't enough. Uh, we'll talk about who. So we'll talk about the fact that they did allow a power play goal and they took a lot of penalties in this game. Granted, so did the Oilers. And that has an effect too. You had four power play chances yourself that you couldn't capitalize on. We'll right. talk about all that and more. Uh, but first I got to talk to you guys today about FanDuel Sportsbook. This year, the only app you need on your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Man, the Super Bowl is like, what, four days away? It's coming up so fast. Uh, we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if you your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score the first touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash lockdown to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash lockdown. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We're talking about this five to two loss, the Edmonton Oilers. And yeah, there's a little bit of grasping at straws at positives. Um, again, overall, I thought the Red Wings outplayed them at even strength, but it wasn't enough. But before we talk about what cost them the hockey game, before we get to be negative Nancy's, uh, because we're allowed to do that in a loss. I'm sorry, guys. We're just allowed <laughs> to be. Let's talk about individual players that I thought played really well. And that honestly has got to be the young guys in the core of this hockey team. I thought that top line of, I mean, again, at even strength, I think they all outplayed the Oilers pretty much. They stifled Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle, but especially that top line of Dylan Larkin, Lucas Raymond, and Tyler Bertuzzi looked phenomenal in this hockey game. And it showed up. 
in on the score sheet as well. You had that classic. It's crazy saying classics. They only have one year together as a top line, but it connected so often last year that seeing it connect again in this game felt almost like a nostalgic moment. Dylan Larkin chases the puck into the corner. He lays the body, plays physical, forces a turnover, feeds it to Raymond, who is streaking in, makes a nice move, and feeds it backdoor to Tyler Bertuzzi for the goal. I think the focal point, the biggest thing, is that patience and that hockey IQ by Lucas Raymond, who's alone in front of the net, not to shoot that puck and waste that opportunity on Jack Campbell, yeah. but to feed Tyler Bertuzzi, who's streaking back door. And, hey, we talk a lot about how Tyler Bertuzzi hasn't been able to find his game and finish on those opportunities. He finished on that opportunity. Granted, it was like his expected goals for percentage on that, or expected goals for on that shot would have been like .99. <laughs> but he finished, and I thought overall – each individually, each one of those guys had a fantastic game. I agree. Who was the who whiffed on the one in the first period? Oh, Fabry. Was that Fabry? Yeah. Oh, man. yeah. That, we'll talk that about that when we get to the negatives. Tough to watch. <laughs> that was rough. Um, no, look, I I thought this was. I think there's an argument this was Bert's best game of the season. Uh, to be honest with you, I I think that this was a a kind of like you said, vintage is a weird word to use there, but kind of a vintage Burt performance uh, because he not only did he score, but he affected the game in like the very classic gritty, like Bertuzzi fashion. He was wreaking havoc in front of the net. He was uh, um, in the third period. He was a menace to in like after the the plays had stopped. I mean, yes. him and, and Kane were going at it. Well, him and pretty much half of, of the team, honestly, we're going at it at one point or another. Uh, he, he was definitely making his mark and, and doing it in a very on-brand Bertuzzi way, which I think was very nice to see. Very nice to see him do that, not get hurt, score a goal, just like a very, very on-brand good Bertuzzi game in the way that we have seen him have good games so many times before. Yeah, it, it, he was absolutely his best game of the season, without a doubt. And it showed he was third on the team in both Corsi four and expected goals four percentage at five on five. And he plays his best hockey when he is playing his style of hockey, which is first and foremost, physical, get in the corners. The way having him on, this is this is the type of Tyler Bertuzzi I wanted to extend. This is the Tyler Bertuzzi I want on the team for years to come. The type of guy who will stand up for his teammates. Evander Kane is a pest. And... Off the ice, it, you know, that's its own conversation. I would never want Evander Kane on this hockey team because I think that there would be too much of locker room drama surrounding bringing well, him because of the off-ice antics. Reasons for but that. on the ice, he is a Brad Marchand type. And that type of player, if, he, if we had that style of player like Brad Marchand or Evander Kane on the ice, on the ice, not, not the off-ice stuff. I want to make that abundantly clear. I mean, this team needs that kind of guy. It, it does. And Tyler Bertuzzi can be that type of guy when he's healthy. He's a pest, and he's got a little bit of skill to finish. And playing with line mates like uh, like Dylan Larkin and Raymond, I was trying to combine those two. I tried to say Laymond. Um, playing with those two guys, it, it brings out the best in Tyler Bertuzzi. This was by far his best game. And Lucas Raymond continues to prove he is a crucial part of this core by continuing his hot streak. He had a couple games near the end of that uh, first half of the season where he his production dipped, but this game he looked great again. I think he was uh, fifth on the team in expected goals for percentage, and he was fifth on the team in Corsi 4 as well, but well over, both 61 and 
uh, 75 for his expected goals for. How, Tyler Bertuzzi had a 77 expected goals for percentage in this game. 77. That's how good he was. That's his expected goals for was a 70. I mean, that's a great ratio, man. Yeah. It was great. That top line was phenomenal. Not, not, we haven't even talked about Dylan Larkin, who was the best player on the team, Corsi four percentage wise, and the second best player on the team. Like that entire top line, man. We could gush for like the whole episode on that top line's performance in this game, but we shouldn't because we have other things to talk about. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I, I, I agree with everything there. Okay. Yeah. If you had any, if you have any, I monologued there. So if you had any final, no, no, that's okay. yeah. That's all very fair. <laughs> um, the top pairing of Jake Wallman furthering the conversation about the future of this team. Cause I'm really ardently beginning to believe that Jake Wallman is part of this team's future. Jake Wallman and Moritz Sider had, phenomenal freaking hockey games. In fact, they were the number one and number two players on the team in this game at expected goals for percentage at 84% for Jake Woolman to lead the team and 79% for Moritz Sider. And then, of course, Moritz Sider had that beautiful assist to Joe Valeno where he just showed that insane patience with the puck on his stick to feed Joe Valeno streaking in right after a penalty was killed to score a goal. It was, it was, it was a beautiful pass, like a perfect pass. And then obviously uh, an incredible finish by, by Valeno. I would love to see a, we kind of talked about it in the mid season grades and whatnot. I would like to see a little like Valeno just go on a little bit of a heater at some point. Like I, I'm not asking for a crazy entire second half, but I wouldn't mind to see Valeno kind of, kind of uptick the scoring for, even if it was just a, a couple of weeks or a few games or whatnot. And, and obviously again, set up by a fantastic pass by cider who his production has skyrocketed ever since. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if you want to word it as getting off a pairing with Sherrod or getting on a pairing with Wallman, but both are true. I mean, that was by far the most exciting part of this hockey game was just watching the young guys, the decor of this team. I mean, if you even want to throw Joe Valeno in there who had that goal, really showed up in this game. The core of this team and the core of the, and the future of this team played extraordinarily well, I thought. Um, but despite that, they still lost one more final thought on Dylan Larkin. Cause I'm just now noticing this. He led the team in ice time in this game. Normally a defender leads the team in ice time because there's less defensemen. He led the team in ice time with 21 minutes and 53 seconds played in this game. That is an extraordinary, extraordinary amount of ice time. He is earning that bag right now. I really hope that, I mean, I don't want to go down this track, but I really want them to extend him. I really want them to extend him. I, yeah, we will have to rehash that. Every um, episode? I mean, hell. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll have to re- We'll definitely be talking about that a lot, I'm sure, as the deadline gets closer. And then if he makes it through then, then, you know, after the season ends. Yeah. Uh, do you have any more you want to add on <clears throat> Woolman and Cider? Um, no, I mean, I, I kind of said my piece on Cider. That pairing just as a whole continues to impress and continues to to really what we talk about this defense so much like you know what I mean like we talk about how this defense like struggles and is not a very good product so often but there's two important things one that doesn't mean that everybody that's a part of it is awful and two offensively is a lot different than defensively. And Cider is one of those where it's, you know, he, he has the potential to be great in both. But uh, Wallman is definitely someone who I think whoever he's been, we've seen it all year, no matter who he's with, whoever he's on a pairing with, whoever he's sharing a, a blue line with, 
he's going to make them better offensively and he's going to make the team better offensively. Yeah. And so him getting more ice time in a game in which we needed to score goals makes a lot of sense to me. I also want to give a shout out to Pew Suter, who defensively had a fantastic game on the penalty kill. He frustrated Connor McDavid. How often are you going to be able to say Pew Suter frustrated Connor McDavid like that? Right. Is, yeah. That well, Suter had a really nice hit. Mm-hmm. And, and that really led nice to the, that led to Valeno's goal. That started the, yeah, that started that exact play. You're right. So, um, yeah, he, he also had a, he tried to go five hole at one point <clears throat> and, uh, it got saved and he got a little frustrated. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Uh, as far as other silver linings, before we get to the second break, I just want to point this out. We don't got to talk about it, but Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl had a expected goals for percentage in this game of 35.74 and 35.52 relative to their team. They're a negative 20% and negative 18%. So they were, the team was better when they were off the ice in this hockey game. And again, you don't want to hang your hat on that on a loss, but when you're talking about two of the best players on the planet, I'm sorry. It makes me a little happy. Like yeah, when, whenever you get out of a game and they didn't do any damage, that, that is a little exciting. So, but in segment three, we will talk about what cost them this hockey game. Cause again, they did lose five to two and in the end they lost and there's plenty of that to talk about. But first yeah. I got to talk to you guys today about built bar looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories. Then you got to try a built bar. We just got through the holidays about a month and a half ago and Valentine's day is right around the corner. And I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. So when I get Allison those chocolates, I'm going to have to hold off. But thankfully, <laughs> Built Bar has come up with so many delicious flavors that it's going to scratch that chocolate itch without all the calories and supplementing with tons of protein to help me get those gains back that I've started to lose. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right. I'm not even missing out on the chocolate. Um, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros, and that's even better, is that they are healthy, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar and whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to Walmart today. Walk into the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can grab a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you go to Sam's Club, you can grab a 13-bar box that hit flavors, brownie, batter, and churro. You'll thank us later. So, Sam's Club, Walmart, or the classic Built.com. You will not regret it. Check it out. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are going to wrap up this conversation on the Edmonton Oilers game. And, Scotty, we managed to talk two whole segments positively about a loss. I don't know how we did it. We're, we're studs, um, but we should probably talk about what actually cost them this hockey game. And there's plenty of it to go around. Where do you want to start? What do you think stood out the most to you as what cost the Red Wings this hockey game? I mean, we kind of touched on a little bit earlier while, and this is not a new issue, but I think that they still have a tendency defensively to, even if they're not allowing high volume, they are allowing dangerous shots. And while they avoided the point a little bit more tonight, which is great, um, that, that's not to say that there was, you know, it was all low danger and it was just an awful performance by Huso or something. There was still a lot of, uh, a lot of pretty high danger opportunities. But I, I think kind of unavoidably, 
especially because it got worse as the game went on and we got deeper and deeper into the game was like they were in the box a lot. And that's something that we haven't really seen too much of this year. You know, admittedly, that's one of the things the Red Wings have actually been really, really good at this season is staying out of the box. And this game was was not that. Yeah, I completely agree. The Oilers out high danger chance chance to. And while we were singing the praises of the fact that it was a better improvement over games we have seen, that does not mean it was good. In this game, it still was not great. Uh, they scored two of two. They had six high danger shots at even strength, and two of those resulted in a goal. And like yeah. you said, uh, they did get in in the box a lot, which is not something we've seen. And both teams did, which is both. Here's the thing is, again, we've said it. They have a 32% power play percentage, which is better but than like 7% than the next best team. Right. I don't care if it's a chippy game. You can't end up in the box. And I know it was going both ways, and I love that it was chippy, but I also recognize that going to the box and giving the Oilers more opportunities. Right. Giving the best power play in the league more opportunities is not a recipe for success, I don't think. And you held on as long as you could, but eventually Ryan Nugent Hopkins got them on the board, who's having a great season, by the way. He's also, you know, a little bit underrated because of dry settle and McDavid, but Nugent Hopkins has been having a, a great year himself. And he got on the board on the power play. And that was the dagger in the game. I know they scored an empty net goal, but that power play goal put them up four to two. And that cost you. Meanwhile, you had plenty of power play chances. You Scotty had plenty of power play chances yourself and you couldn't capitalize over four. And I thought they had plenty of good power play opportunities early in the game. But as the game went on, it felt as if, the power play was getting figured out by the Oilers defense and they couldn't get anything set up. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that, that was a special teams again, came back to bite you in the butt. Also, you had a one, nothing lead. And before I even saw the first goal on the Hulu stream. So I was still watching and it was one to nothing before I even saw the Oilers tie it up. I got a tweet saying it was two to one. You allowed goals right. like 30 seconds apart, which is something yeah. that the Red Wings have done time and time again this season and that's just, dating back to like yeah they've been doing that since last since season pre-covid they've yeah. been doing that yeah oh, okay i thought you were gonna add on uh <laughs> no that was literally yeah that's just been a problem that's been going on for two or three seasons now and let's say it Huso didn't have the best game himself either i thought that he was a little shaky in this game i thought he had the goal i think it was mccloud mccloud had uh, in this game, if I'm remembering this properly, yeah, Ryan he McLeod, did have a goal, yeah, he did have a goal. The first goal, I thought, yeah. uh, Huso was caught a little bit out of position. He zigged when he should have zagged, uh, so to speak, and it cost a goal. And I thought that uh, one of two Fogel's goals, I can't remember which one and which order it happened. I thought it was a little bit. I thought it should have been a save, but he didn't have a great game either. And this is a trend. Huso had a has had a stretch recently where he has been playing better. He had a stretch of 10 games where he didn't play good, and then a stretch of five games where he played better, and now it's back-to-back games again, where his save percentage is below 900 again. Not that the defense in front of him is playing all that great either, but you definitely need him to you know, show up. It's not like he had a big workload in this game. He faced less than 30 shots, and he had allowed four goals against. So it's a give and take. You need him to be able to play well as well, and I don't think he necessarily did. I agree with that. I don't even have too much more to say, but I I think that this was a combination of same story, different day for the most part defensively. Again, some some. I just want to. I I want to. Right. I I want to keep reiterating, like uh, even if it is annoying, that like they they clearly had a game plan, and it clearly was was not. Uh, it was clearly not a bad game plan, but it also, it was 
uh, executed well. Like th- this was not a, a failure of of a game plan, I don't think. But you're you're game planning around two specific people, one really specific person for the most part, and you're also game planning to limit opportunities. And it, it doesn't matter if you limit opportunities when the few opportunities you do give up are pristine chances still. And like, yes. that's just the problem that again, it's highlighted in this game, but has been an issue all year for this team. As I'm sure we've talked about time and time again for the last two months. I completely agree. And one other thing I wanted to talk about that bothered me uh, was the Red Wings should have been up three, nothing after the end of the first period. Because yes. Robbie Fabry yeah. missed a Tough. wide open net. He didn't get all of it on it. And of, of course, of course, like part of that's just bad luck. Of course, the little bit he got on it just, just trickled right off the post. And then a couple minutes later, Morris Sider rang one off the post himself. And then on the power play, Berggren comes down the wing and then nails the outside of the post. Now I say three, nothing because Berggren had the outside of that post. I don't think that would have been a goal if it was like he shot it short side, but just the fact that they couldn't, they didn't even have the puck luck either. It, it stung. It, it's definitely stank that they didn't have luck in that regard either. It stank, man. It stank, man. It was stanky. <laughs> so I agree. Man, you got any final thoughts? Um, I don't think so, man. Like, I, I this is just a weird game. Like, it's it's always it's weird to talk about. You know, two segments versus one on three goal losses, but. It's just, it didn't, we lost by three goals, but I don't think it was the way we expected to lose by three goals. Yeah. So it kind of threw a, threw a curveball at us and like, yes, you, you still got outplayed. You still lost. That's all very true. We're, we're still where we're at. Uh, but I think that there was areas that they were a lot better in than we expected going into the evening. And, and that's why it's kind of a, a weird thing to talk about. Oh, and I should correct myself. I'm sure we already have comments by the time people are listening to this part of the podcast. But McDavid did have one secondary assist on the power play goal. Yeah, so yeah he didn't you get a point. You said he didn't score. He didn't score. Okay, so no, I just you to, said it. You worded it fine. You said he didn't score. You didn't say he didn't get a point. All right, cool, cool. Anyways, he's on uh, pace for 150. By the way, oh, he's insane. The he's, last he's, time he, he's, somebody put up 150, they said was Mario in '95. <laughs> who? I mean, this is a well-regarded. I wouldn't say fact, but opinion. Uh, a lot of people have this opinion that if Lemieux didn't have that battle with cancer and had to step away from the game for a few years, he might have challenged Wayne Gretzky's records. For sure. He was that oh, yeah. good. So to be in that company. Right. Is, to be in Gretzky Lemieux company is something crazy. For yeah, sure. yeah. We are watching history right now. We thought we were watching history and we are watching history with Crosby and Ovechkin, but McDavid who has stayed healthy with, in regards with the exception of his rookie season, if he stays healthy throughout the rest of his career, man, we are seeing something we might not see again. In I, I tell people this all the time, and then we'll end the show, I promise. Um, I tell people all the time that I I think I've maybe talked about it on this show actually before, now that I think about it. But I have seen LeBron James, like prime LeBron, like Miami Heat LeBron, who actually just like 10 minutes ago during this recording became the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Um I've seen like LeBron play it live, like in person. Um, I have seen Mike Trout and like Shohei Otani play in person. When I was a little kid, I, I saw like Barry Bonds play in person. I've I've seen 
like I mean, Calvin, right? Like I, I've seen some of the the greatest athletes ever in person. There is nothing that compares to watching Connor McDavid live. It is I mean, a transcendent experience, and I'm not trying to be overly dramatic, but he literally looks like he is floating and he is playing a different sport than anybody else. It, watching him skate live, like watching him on TV is already crazy, but it literally doesn't do it justice. It's I, I, I urge every hockey fan to watch Connor McDavid play in person at least once in your life because it, it is something that I have never experienced watching any athlete in person before. Yep. I, I was going to say you've described it before as if he is floating. Right. So, it's no. it's unbelievable, truly. All right. Any final thoughts, Scotty? We ball. We ball. And congrats well, we... to LeBron. Congrats to LeBron. We will be back tomorrow with a game preview and probably something else as well. We'll figure it out when we get there. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned. Same time. Same place. It's your team. Every day. Every day.